Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today we are not your average feminists, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Christina. I'm Sarah. And I'm Amanda. Well, welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. This week, we are talking about career advice. We got a lot of good feedback during the um, the pay gap episodes, and we thought, you know what? We should just continue the dialogue and talk about productive ways to advance our careers. So we're going to just jump right into some of the things we've learned over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years of us being in the workforce. 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Some of us are young entrepreneurs, Amanda. That's true. That's true. Oh, that's right. Duh. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, one of my very first jobs, I mean, aside from, you know, setting up like lemonade tea stands in your neighborhood, whatever, whatever. Um, uh, we, uh, I, uh, my childhood home, uh, this big land developer came in and bought it up and built a golf course next to us. And so me and my siblings and my cousins during after hours, we would go through the woods and try to find all the lost uh, golf balls that <laughs> people hid nice. in the rough in the waterways. Nice. We clean them up and package them and resell them. We made way to hustle. Ink. Yes, that was such a great um, first new business, and it really just kind of made Took me love there. and made me love working. So, anyways, I was talking to my husband about this. Um, what are some career advice I could give to all the ladies on the podcast? And I was like, you know, the only one I really have always given to people when I get like coffee and stuff is to always give a new job at least six months before you make a decision. So you might be unhappy the first couple of months, but it, I think it really takes at least six months for you to fully catch your stride at a new job. So don't make any rash decisions before then. Um, and then it's, it's kind of, I made a joke. I was like, I, I, I always approached my work the same way I approached dating. And I always broke things up into like little, like quarterly chunks. So I started dating someone at three months. I kind of reevaluated, do I still want to be with this person? I would do the same at six months and then a year and then like a year and a half and like it kind of like staggered onwards. And um, I love that. Okay. I don't know if any of my boyfriends knew that, but also that was always, I always knew there was going to be some big fight or something at those like quarter marks because that was uh -huh. kind of like testing them or like, I don't know. I just felt like that was always the case. And uh, my husband laughed. He's like, Sarah, you've never, you've never really dated. You've just like been a serial long term, like, girlfriend I uh -huh. thought about it and I was like I guess you're right and he's like yeah and in fact you've had so many jobs that you've like done the opposite of what most women in their 20s do mm -hmm. where they usually commit to a job for at least a couple of years um and they date lots of men and then he joked that I'm glad that I finally found the career he wanted in, in him I was like thanks, thanks honey <laughs> That's actually really good advice, though. Not to butt in, but like, I, I could probably say, actually, I can say with like certainty that I have never totally loved my new job within like the first month, I would say. 
at least the first month. Like it's always a struggle bus when you first start a new job. It's awkward. You don't know what's up or down. You don't know exactly what to do. It's uncomfortable. You're trying to learn like new rhythms and stuff. And like, so that's, that's really good. Actually. I, when I switch jobs, I freaking hate it. And it's always like the most awkward thing ever for me. So, um, that's good advice. Hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Christina, you go next. Let's um, just go around, go around the circle. I guess one of the things that I have to remind myself fairly regularly, well, not really, but one of the big things is um, don't ever let one bad supervisor ruin your self-worth or your um, self-esteem because mm-hmm. – you have to take everything in as like a whole instead of, you know, you could have the worst boss in the entire world and every day go home feeling like you can't do anything right, but it's their opinion. And that's not necessarily the consensus opinion. You may just have a terrible boss. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. 100%. Because I fell into that trap. Yeah. Many times. So at what point do you think you put up with that before you just quit kind of run? I mean, I, I guess it would depend on situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on the person. It depends on how much you like your job beyond that, that yeah. beyond a supervisor. So it depends on, you know, if you really love the work that you're doing and even though you have a boss that makes you feel terrible all the time or not feel terrible, I don't know. Um, they, you know, you may be able to find other like, aspects of your job that are worth going to work every day and are worth keeping it um so I mean I guess it I guess it depends everyone's different Mm -hmm. um on how much they can handle before they just give up yeah I was in a particularly bad situation early on in my career and I ended up having to it was so bad that I went to the doctor to get Xanax like listen it's not funny but I know it was it was that bad I I was like having freak outs like oh my gosh my career's ruined I have to deal with this and he's like you really just need to get a new job are you in a position where you can quit I was like no my parents are going to give me any money I have incredibly high rent even though I have roommates and like I don't have any other options and then finally one day I just went in and I I did quit but I gave them four weeks notice. Um, and I was just like a hope and a prayer to make sure that I got another job within a month. And I was very lucky that I did, but I had a backup plan to like wait tables and stuff and do all these like odds and end jobs just to kind of like make Make it easy. And I was lucky because I had a credit card too. So I, I definitely did put Wait, 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 but that's not a that's not your advice though. I know that's not I'm my kidding. advice. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> but like it was like survival mode. And so like I, I totally yeah. agree that you should not stay in a bad situation just because you feel like financially stuck because like yes. medicating medicating yourself in order to like get up and go to work is like not very healthy. That's not a good idea. Yeah. Don't and also think long and hard before you quit and finance that with a credit card. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we we are not in the position of dispensing financial advice. That was my, kind of. that was my quick fix. Don't don't do that. Break that from the record. 
Um, that's funny. Um, not funny that you were in that situation, but um, anyway, yes. Uh, so good piece of advice, Christina. Um, I definitely agree with that. Um, uh, don't let a bad boss ruin the way you think about yourself. That's really good. I like that. Um, so my first piece of advice that I came up with and a piece of advice that um, I guess I would give my younger self or, or, or let's see, I'll rephrase it this way. I would wish I could go back in time and tell myself, my 22 or 23-year-old self, not to stress out so much about my quote-unquote career path. So my piece of advice is keep an open mind. And I know that sounds really cliche, but I actually really, really, really mean it. Um, When I graduated college, I moved to D.C. uh, the week after graduation with like this firm career path, like stuck in my head of what I was going to do. And I was not going to deviate from it. Okay. I was going to come to DC and I was going to be a reporter and do political journalism and like be the next Robert Novak or the next, um, uh, Andrea Mitchell or whatever name, you know, insert name here. Uh, but that is what I was going to do. And I was going to cover politics and I was going to be a big wig in the DC political scene and like cover the white house. And that's what I wanted to do. And you were not going to tell me otherwise. Um, and I wasn't going to wait. And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you need to spend some time in local journalism. You need to go to a small newspaper. You need to go to this small town and like cut your teeth on local reporting. And I basically told those people to shove it. Um, (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I know what I want to do and it's in DC. So that's why I came up here. Um, and for a little while it worked out and it seemed like everything was going to, um, you know, work out kind of how I had it in my head. And then reality set in and um, I had a, an, and I, you know, had a horrible falling out with my first job, um, which I won't get into, at least not today. But um, my first reporting gig ended in a pretty bad way. Uh, and then I struggled for several months um with some freelance gigs and then like a fellowship that I got that was great. But, um, you know, I spent like four months, which in retrospect is not that long of a time, but um, I spent like four months, like trying to keep going with the journalism thing. And it was literally the most stressful time of my life. Um, at that point, actually top three, most stressful points in my life because, not only was I stressed about money and finances, but I was because I was young and broken, like living in this expensive city, but I was also stressed about failing at this like career path that I had picked for myself. And how am I going to explain to people that I'm not a successful journalist and I've been here for three years or two years already and like I'm failing. And so um, I really stressed about it. And so my piece of advice is keep an open mind. And try new things because you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what opportunity is going to knock on your door and you don't want to say no just because you think that's not what you're supposed to do. I think I'm a big believer in the idea that opportunity finds you and that when it does, you should just seize it um, with both hands as long as it makes sense too. So uh, when I was struggling with the journalism thing, uh, someone that I worked with um, at a PR firm reached out to me and said, hey, like if you're interested in going into PR, like we are looking to hire, would you come in an interview? And my initial reaction was like, heck no, I'm in journalism. I don't do PR. Are you kidding? So um, 
at first I said no. And then I looked at my bank account <laughs> and then I was like, actually, okay, I'll do, I'll it. do, it. So, I'll do it. Yeah. So um, I went in and interviewed and it completely changed the course of my career. And um, not only did I get the job, but I actually found that I really liked it. And then it, but then it also put me on the path to, towards doing what I am you know, what I do today, which I love. And, uh, and I think about that a lot because like, if I hadn't said, yes, I will look into PR, like I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm just glad that I, um, even though it was a little financially driven, I'm glad that I had an open mind about it. And if I could, I would go back in time and tell myself not to stress out about it so much. And that just because you go into a different field doesn't mean that you're a failure. That's my long-winded first piece of advice. That's great advice. I had something similar happen to me early on. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I was going to do something totally, totally different than what I have been doing, and um, was really kind. I really beat myself up over it. So, really, <laughs> yeah. Was this like early on in your career? Early on, um, after I graduated college, I wanted to become a police officer, and mm-hmm. had played sports in college, gotten hurt thought that I was fine, was getting ready to go through um, like PT testing for a local department and was out at a range shooting to make sure I was ready to qualify and do all that kind of stuff. I was really starting, I was like in the process of training mm-hmm. and looked at something the wrong way and tore my shoulder again. Stop. And oh I went and had to have surgery. And basically at that point, I was not hireable whatsoever by any police department because I would, I mean, I've had another surgery since then. So my shoulder is a liability. Oh, wow. So I had to fully pivot what I had anticipated doing. I mean, my degree is in criminology, which uh-huh. does nothing for me oh. now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. But are you, are you happy with where you are now? Like, could yeah. you go back and tell yourself, like, don't stress out about it so much? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot too. Like I wasted so much stress and like tears and anguish on like, am I giving up on my dream? Should I keep pursuing journalism? But reality is like, girl, you just got to do what you got to do. And sometimes it doesn't work out. And, you know, think about what, and for me, obviously it might be different for you, for you, but I, you know, would just tell myself, what do you love about journalism? Okay. You love the writing. And there's a lot of jobs that involve a lot of writing. So um, there's other ways that you can find to be happy, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Um, Uh Kind of along that line, um, one of my tips, career tips, is to go on lots of interviews, even when you're not necessarily looking for other work. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good practice. Go on. It's good practice. It gives you, um, you do your research, you learn about new industries, you meet new people. Um, I use this to cut my teeth on negotiating. And um, especially when it came to, I got lots of job, I've gotten so many job offers that I've eventually turned down, but I use them as great ways to practice for negotiating for higher rates or Mm -hmm. throwing out crazy salary requests or um, negotiating for, um, benefits that, you know, like paid time off or mm-hmm. flexible work schedule. And, you know, it's, it was such great practice. And honestly, there were, um, I made a lot of career decisions cause I wasn't expecting to leave my job, but I get into the interview process and I start to like the people and 
the package they offered Ooh. came back and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much more money than I thought I would be making right now. And it just kind of, um, like you said, it, it opened up new avenues to a career journey that I had not expected before. And it, yeah. it's taken me to where I am now. And it's given me, it was a weird path, but I'm exactly where I want to be right now. Um, but it was definitely not a traditional um, yeah, planned <laughs> to get here. So just do that because you you, you did good. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. Don't never say no to a meeting. Yeah, and like I was gonna say, um, what we had discussed when we interviewed Ginger a few weeks ago, she she said that in her interview was never say no to a meeting. Oh, you're right. So it's a good like good recall. Yeah. <laughs> and plug for oh my gosh what episode number was it it doesn't matter but um if you haven't listened to that uh episode with ginger gibson you really should go back and listen to it side note it's one of my favorite episodes so far um yeah good recall christina yeah all right do you have another piece of advice i do um Ooh. i learned you know another thing i learned early on is always take responsibility so if you make a mistake um, always take responsibility for it. Always don't ever try to pass the buck along to somebody else. Don't ever try to like basically place blame on other people. I was in a job, um, and this was, you know, like seven years ago and I made a mistake. It was, I was setting up like a teleconference and I don't remember what it was about, but something happened with the audio mm-hmm. and my boss at the time freaked out on me. And I remember beating myself up over it. Um, and getting really upset that like after the fact, she really chewed me a new one because it was embarrassing and it was, it was my fault and I took full responsibility for it. Um, mm-hmm. and it turned into, it was a really great learning lesson to the point where she's been almost like a mentor in my career. Um, wow. because I think she appreciated the fact that I've taken response. I took responsibility and anytime there were issues, um, probably more like I was like jumping on like grenades all the time. I'm like, Nope, my fault. I did that. You know? <laughs> Wow. Um, but it really, you know, I was raised to always take responsibility for my actions. And I think in a career setting, it's, it's important because it shows, um, you know, it shows your, your virtue, um, you know, the substance of a person. I mean, I've worked with people that definitely have not taken responsibility and they're some of the least favorite people I've ever worked with. The ones that try to place blame on every other thing besides themselves. And I like, it's never their fault. Yeah. And that's one of those things I, I mean, my parents really instilled that into me and taking it into the workforce is a really, I mean, it's, a, it's, I think it's a big take and people that don't do it, if you're listening to this and don't do it and you kind of pass the responsibility or the blame down to somebody else, stop doing it. Yeah. It's so annoying. Yeah. It's 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've definitely worked with people like that who are, you know, late or, on a, late and delivering something or just don't get it done or it's really sloppy and you're like what the heck happened and there's always like a million excuses and none of them involve I just screwed up I'm sorry yeah. and no one no one wants to hear your excuse just say yeah. my bad it won't happen yeah, again. yeah. yeah. Trust exactly. and, it, and then it really can't happen again yeah yeah that's a good one huh all right um do you guys want to hear my next one yeah sure. hit me okay um, this is kind of a two-parter. Uh, I'm trying to think about how I want to phrase it. 
Um, actually, maybe a three-parter. I'm not quite sure yet. But my piece of advice to anyone out there who's starting out in their career is um, that a job security is a myth, a freaking myth. And so part B is to make yourself indispensable. And then a sub part of that is to um, diversify. So, okay. So like, I'll break it down a little bit. Um, I think job security is definitely a myth. Don't buy into the fact that like, just because you have a job and it's, it's secure today, that it will still be there in a month or six months or a year. And those of us who we're in the workforce during the recession, know this. And so some younger people out there might not get this yet and that's okay, but um, you're not guaranteed to have a job. Like just because you have one right now doesn't mean it's going to be around in six months. It might seem like it will be, um, but you really never know. Businesses close all the time. Um, If you're in politics, like your candidate or the someone that you work for could have a major scandal tomorrow and have to resign and like, boom, you're done, you know? Um, or, you know, leadership is fired and new bosses come in and bring in their new teams and like everyone and it's like cleaning house day. Like you just never know what's going to happen. And so don't fall into a false sense of security. Um, and, and that's point A. And point B is um, or would be to – I guess without like overstressing about it, prepare yourself um, for the day when people in leadership are sitting over a roster of staff members and deciding who to cut and who to keep and, um, and prepare for that, like in any way that you can and not, not so like brazenly, like you're out there talking about like, Oh, I'm going to do this, this and this. So I don't get axed. But just say to yourself, like, what can I do to make myself indispensable um, where you work? Especially if you love working there and you want to be there for a long time. What can I do to make myself invaluable and indispensable um, so that if the time comes, like, I'm safe because my bosses know that, like, I contribute so much to this organization that they can't let me go. Um, And so that might mean... Um, going to new trainings and like learning new skills. I mean, I definitely think that should be involved learning new skills um, to diversify like um, your skill set and like what you can contribute. So, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's, it's one thing to be really, really good at like an, like a niche um, skill or, or whatever you want to call it, like to be very specialized. Um, and if you're like at the top of your game in that, then that's awesome. Um, and maybe keep going down that route. But I think a lot of people overlook the need to diversify and like learn new things and kind of be like kind of a jack of all trades. I hate to say it, but like being able to do a lot of different things and contribute a lot to your job will go a long way towards um, just ensuring your job security. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something I've been thinking about a lot. And something that I would tell myself to start thinking about earlier if I could go back in time. Yeah. Um, one thing I wish I could go back and tell little Sarah, um, mm-hmm. this is my final piece of advice, is to not gossip at work. Um, I think it's really easy when you're in your 
earlier careers are younger, you're younger, especially if you work with a bunch of people your own age, um, to start gossiping. Uh, it's great. It builds camaraderie, but it can be really destructive. Um, mm-hmm. The further you get into it, especially once alliances form or you get promoted and just stay out of drama at work. I know that mm-hmm. I've I've swung this pendulum. I've gone back and forth and I've course corrected over time because I used to think you had to do that in order to build rapport with people at work or to have friends. And then I got into lots of um, not so great work situations. Um, had a lot of really great friends, but it really was not great for my career or my rapport with superiors or folks up the chain. Um, so then I, uh, when I went to subsequent workplaces, I swore off having work friends all together, which is also not good. Yeah. Because um, then I just felt lonely and it, I didn't mean for it to be cold because like you can be a good coworker and, um, and be friends with people, mm-hmm. but not engage in unhelpful conduct in the workplace. So anyways, there was a period of time where I was friends with everyone and did the gossipy thing that I like pivoted and I was like, I will never be friends with anyone. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to work. One extreme to the next. Um, and now I feel like I'm back in a healthy middle where it's like, not everybody is out to get you or to backstab you or, um, or I'm just a lot better at picking places that don't have those types of people or mm-hmm. sniffing them out at the very beginning. But yeah. No, that's really good. That's a really good one, actually. Yeah. Just keep it chill. I think some of some of my – when I look back on my career so far, some of my biggest regrets involve me gossiping when I shouldn't have been gossiping, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's really nothing good that comes out of it. Uh, like there just really isn't. And so, I, I yeah, I think that's great advice. Just, just stay away from the water cooler, people. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that doesn't mean you can't talk about what's going on. Obviously, like, you know, people talk, coworkers talk. There's conversations that happen all the time. And it's not like you have to be oblivious. But, like, you know, like, you you know when it takes a turn towards Gossip Town. And that's, you know, that's when you should just walk away. Yep. Yeah. To pivot um, from that, yeah. for me, um, you know, I think a big thing is building your network and by being able to build your network and that's with, you know, solidly good coworkers and friends and things like that. The gossip thing plays into it because somebody that is a gossip gossip, you're not going to want to help them out down the road. So say, like I said earlier with my boss from a long time ago, she's been really great and not necessarily part of my network here in DC, mostly because she just doesn't live in the area and she works in a Mm -hmm. different field than I am in now. But, um, you know, having a solid network who you look out for and who looks out for you, um, is a really big thing. And then the second part of it is, you know, always leaving places on a, a good note. So even if you've had the worst experience, it's never worth like worth really trashing somewhere that you worked for in the past. Um, I mean, I've never left a job without giving at least three to four weeks notice. Um, I mean, I remember leaving one job and it was a heavy travel job. And I did, I made sure my boss didn't have to worry about my job for two months after I left. I built out like things that he, I knew he was going to need um, 
before I left just to make sure if they didn't hire somebody right away, he was taken care of. And, you know, since that's hardcore. Yeah. And since that point, you know, he's one of my friends and, you know, we build, you know, he's part of my network. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's just nice to have that. So it's always having, you know, a good rapport with people that you worked with. And I mean, people may like have negative feelings towards a past place where they worked, but not outwardly saying anything negative about them. So not going and like two weeks later, trashing them to, you know, somebody that maybe you're not necessarily that close with things like that. This goes back, this goes back to the six month rule, because no matter how burned you got from the last place, you give yourself six months and you're going to be over it. Yep. Yeah. So give yourself some breathing room because yeah, I definitely have not always followed that advice in the past. I've been salty. <laughs> so um, Who hasn't been a little yeah. salty now and again? I know, but it really it's, it's like the, it's not count, it. the count to 10, breathe in, breathe out kind of stuff. But really, if you just, if you can get through that first three or six months, you're going to just be like, whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like in the grand scheme of things, one job, I mean, look, we're talking about the job, like a little lifespan of an average job in DC. That's our experience is basically like two years. Right. Would you say? Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe, <laughs> y'all for the, people. <laughs> maybe take this with a grain of salt though. I mean, maybe for Sarah, it's less, but like I would say on average people in this town probably stay in a job for like two to three years. And when you think about it, you know, that's a small blip on your career radar. Like it really is. Unless you just work for five years and then marry someone really wealthy and then you just like bow out forever. Um, so um, put everything into context. I think that's a really good point. Like breathe. Don't – I guess the other part of your advice, Christina, was like don't um, bash people on the way out the door. Yeah. That, yeah, accurate. Okay. Yeah, but I like you'll that. You'll always get back to them. Yes. Yes. Yes, it will haunt you. Maybe not that day, maybe not tomorrow, but it definitely will haunt you. Yeah, and that all goes into building up your network. I mean, you may not necessarily love a former coworker um, or a former boss or something like that, but if you outwardly trash them, then it could hurt you down the road when it comes yeah. to any bit of their network overlapping with your network things like that oh yeah and also like you may not have loved working with them but that doesn't mean you don't want them in your network exactly you know like if you had a boss you didn't totally love you like once you leave that job you might still someday need to call them up and ask them for a favor or a reference and you want to be able to do that with you know you want to be able to do that um okay i have one more piece of advice and this isn't even necessarily career. It's it's more like personal. Um, but my last piece of advice for someone starting out in their career is to save money. I know. Did I just blow your minds? Thanks, mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I th- this is like okay. Thank your husband for this one. Uh, well, <laughs> this was the, this was, this came from me. Okay, Christina. Um. <laughs> This, th- I actually, like, if, if Amanda could go back in time and talk to younger Amanda, I would, I would, like, shake her and then tell her to save money. Um, younger Amanda, you, you and your husband would always be like, you should do the Dave Ramsey thing. And I'm like, no, 
that okay but that was amanda like five years ago i'm talking like amanda eight years ago nine years ago the amanda that like literally didn't save a dime um and live paycheck to paycheck because like why not i'm young i have plenty of time i can do this no a and b stop and c save money so that's not necessarily like career advice per se it's just more of a don't blow your paycheck i guess which is career advice i don't know no i think that's great i think it's just i think it's very important to me that i tell the next generation to save money i don't care if it's five percent of your paycheck or ten percent of your paycheck or freaking fifty percent of your paycheck put some money to this side and also actually here's how it relates back to career this kind of goes with my second piece of advice where i told you that you could be fired tomorrow um if that happens you'll be really glad that you saved money trust me um when i found myself unexpectedly out of a job um i had not been saving money um and uh it was a total nightmare like total freaking nightmare I was completely broke. I had nothing. I had like pennies. Um, And if it hadn't been for people close to me that helped me out, um, not even saying it was my parents, it was not. But if it hadn't been for certain people, I don't know what I would have done. I was actually like really terrified that I was going to have to move back home. Um, So... Yeah, you want to save money. So if you find yourself in that position, you don't have to move back to your parents' basement. Am I right? Oh, preach it. (laughs) So do what you have to do. You know, once you get that paycheck, go into your bank account, set aside 10%, automate it, whatever. Use something like Betterment. I don't care. Um, But uh, just save money. Here, here. Um, Christina, do you have any other tips before we close this out? No, I think I I said it all. I think we've covered a lot. Cool deal. Well, I got, I thought of one more and then Uh it is to write thank you notes. All the most thoughtful people I've encountered in my career were like thank you note writers. And I try to to be good at that. I am like by no means um, religious about writing thank you notes, but this could even just be like always do a follow-up email, even a text when you meet with somebody for coffee or something. Saying, oh, that's great. what I was going to ask. Is an email good enough? I think email is good enough, but it's just okay. like really impressive when you get a written letter. Um, Would it, you tell people today, when, like after you do an interview, send a, a written handwritten thank you note? Um, yes. I'm really? Good at that. I mean, it sets yourself, it sets you apart, but you have to be really good at doing it like immediately, like the day of, so when it gets there, they haven't already made a decision or and this I, is not something you can't wait a week from then and be like, Oh yeah, I need to write that letter. And then it, you do it because it, it's really time sensitive. I think working in politics, it makes it difficult to do the handwritten letter. So maybe in other, like before I started working in politics, it was very easy to, for me to be like, okay, that day I go home, handwrite a letter, knowing that the next steps could be three weeks of finding out. Mm-hmm. I feel like here in DC with a lot of the, at least political jobs, um, and email is almost more than adequate, like within less than 24 hours, because you can't get them to open their the mail. move the, faster? Yeah. Because mail so takes, it would take two days to get there. 
Interesting. Yeah. I'm torn on this. It's, like, it's like a nice. It's a nice to do if you can do it by mail because it kind of sets you apart. But I'm talking more of like you meet someone for coffee or you're pitching someone for business or you know stuff like that. Yeah. Not necessarily mm-hmm. like interviewing for a job. But yeah, because I'd be nervous that like if I just relied on a handwritten mail note after an interview that for those two or three days, the person would be like, why hasn't she emailed me? Oh, no, you have to do both. Okay. You always have to I do, see. always do the email follow-up when it's an interview. Um, well, I try to always always follow up with an email afterwards. But if you can, you add on the snail mail. Like a one-two punch type of deal. Yes. I like it. Yeah. So like, that's just like a very, like, it's very extra, but I think it's very appreciated at the same time. Hey, why not do it? In people's mouths. And um, yeah. And always make sure you keep up with past colleagues. Just kind of piggybacking off of what Christina said earlier. Network. Um, Just uh, always just like ping people. You don't even have to have a reason. Just be like, hey, I saw something on the news about that something that reminded me of you. Hope you're having a great day. No ask. Like and also, like, don't do the thing where don't feel obligated to be like, oh, we should catch up. That does not mm-hmm. have to be part of you pinging someone. Just be like, I thought of you. Hope you're doing well. It doesn't have to be, let's get on a phone call and talk or let's get lunch or let's get coffee. Yeah. That is really hard to do. Um, yeah. Really, really hard to do. But anyways. I like it. So that concludes our career advice <laughs> from Not Your Average Feminist. Um, please give us a follow on all of your social channels. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, not on Instagram yet, but maybe we should be. Um, drop us one a line. One step at a time. <laughs> yeah, one step at a time. We have we have voices made for podcasts. Maybe not. <laughs> hey, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm speaking for myself. I feel very large right now. Um, anyways, thank you for listening. Uh, leave us a review and share this with your friends. I hope you have a great week. Bye, y'all. Bye.